On Sunday morning, we are in our series. Today is the last lesson of that series entitled Fearless Family. And we, our goal has been from the beginning to help you understand God's master plan for building your home. The picture we've been using, of course, is a house. We started out the very first lesson by saying, if you want to build your house right, if you want it to last, if you want it to be a good house, it has to have the right foundation. And we said that from the scriptural standpoint, that foundation is to be God's word, not just knowing it, but living it. And then after we have the foundation correct, uh, we look to it for our guide for the structural walls. We have covered lots of them in this series. We started out by saying that every home needs a mighty mom, not 100% able, but 100% willing to trust God, obey God, and persevere in faith with him. Secondly, we said that every home needs a courageous covenant. Two people, one man, one woman, committed to each other for a lifetime and that are not going to let anything come between them in God's most holy covenant of marriage. And the third week, we said that every home needs parents, not only to have them be obeyed and loved and blessed, but we also need them to be honorable in the example that they set. And last week, we said that every home needs a fearless father, a dad who leads who acts in love, and who sets a godly example. Today, the question is a, a tougher one. Because when we think about the house, we ask this question. And that is, will your house last the test of time? There are many houses that don't. Uh, if you think of actual homes, uh, after a certain number of years, you know, if you get to the 100-year the mark, a lot of those homes, even though they were built really well, they still have a lot of upkeep and maintenance that's required. Most homes don't last uh, in terms of, of uh, all of time. They don't last a great uh, length. Our homes, our families, the legacy that we la- uh, leave to our children and to their children uh, will last depending on how seriously we take it. Psalm, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. This won't be on the screen. But it says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. I was thinking about that verse as I thought about legacy because I've always thought of it in terms of financial terms. A, a person who wants to leave a, a righteous person, if he follows God's principles with money... Uh, I believe will be blessed to the point where they can bless their children and their grandchildren and maybe even beyond that. But I think the the Proverbs, uh, the, the writer here is addressing something more deep than financial issues. I believe he's talking spiritually as well. Now, there's a comparison. If you consider that a person cannot get to the end of their life uh, in the last remaining years and say, oh, Oh, it's time now to build a legacy. I want to leave an inheritance. I haven't saved anything. I have zero nest egg. But now I want to leave something. Well, it's not likely to happen because they haven't given it enough time. Spiritually, you get to the end of your life and you look back and you say, I want to start a legacy. I want to leave a legacy. Well, your heart is very good, but unfortunately, there's not enough time. Legacies take time to create. Uh, Being as we're in a political season, it's not uncommon in the last year of the last term of a president 
for there will be a lot of talk about what will be the president's legacy. I'm sure the president thinks a lot about that as well. Unfortunately, it's too late really to be thinking about establishing a legacy because the president's legacy will be set by all of the things which he has done so far. Your legacy is determined by your actions, by what you do with today. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is that the legacy that you set is going to be set today, not tomorrow. And I hope that we understand that as we work through this uh, together. Psalm 127 verse 1 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders build in vain. Unless we build our family on God's principles, and unless we apply them diligently today, then many days from now, uh, we will not have a spiritual legacy that we want. But if we do that today, then years from now, as we're surrounded by our loved ones, in the last few moments of life, we'll look back and say, it was then that I established the legacy that I wanted. So a lasting legacy, we're going to say, requires three things. Maybe you can think of more, but for sake of time, I picked three. First, a lasting legacy requires knowing the Lord. Psalm 112, verse 1 and 2, reads this way. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. When we think about a lasting legacy, your legacy begins with your relationship with God. Not just knowing about the Lord, not just coming to church and hearing a sermon preached or going to Bible class. Uh, those are good things, but it's knowing the Lord in personal relationship. Uh, think about on Judgment Day, what Jesus said that day would be like. He said there will be a great separation. And he said the separation was going to come down to one thing. If you want to highlight it, it's in Matthew chapter 7, verse 23. And he's talking now to the goats, and he says, Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. You see, it's not about knowing about God. It's about whether we know God. Whether we are in personal relationship with him, we talk to him, we listen to him, we pour ourselves out to him. We, we take the time and we go into our whether it's a prayer closet or quiet time, but we have a daily time set aside for relationship with the Lord. That's an easy thing to overlook. It's an easy thing to fake. But I'm convinced that Jesus, as Jesus said, it's about knowing him. How you're ready for, to step into eternity is not how much you know, but who you know. You are building your legacy of your family today. Not tomorrow. So let them see your personal relationship with God. Now, that's not an, always an easy thing to see. But I guarantee you, your children and your great-grandchildren all know whether you have a sincere, pure, authentic relationship with God. And that's more than just what we do here this morning. 
Nothing else matters so much. Paul put it this way in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. But now, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul was a, he knew a lot about God. He was, had been trained from childhood about God. He knew the scriptures. He, he understood the meaning of them. He debated them. He was legalistic and he was zealous. He, 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 he had his heart, more precisely, his head filled with knowledge of God. But it wasn't until he met Jesus that he decided all that stuff was just rubbish. When you love someone, you want to know more about them. So you want to know them. Well, how do you know God? Of course, this leads to our second point, And that is, a lasting legacy requires impressing the word. Now, this is what the scripture that was read for us this morning. Only take care... And keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. We had a question this past week for a Know Your Bible taping, and someone wanted to know, they said, I don't read my Bible. Am I wrong as a Christian? My answer to that was, you're probably immature as a Christian. You've missed many opportunities because it is in the reading of God's word that you begin to learn about the Lord. But I said, ironically enough, in view of history, uh, there were very few people who actually had a Bible to read, who even could read. Uh, the, the printed Bible is a, is a relatively new thing that you all have one in your hands is something that we now take for granted. But for many generations of Christians, it was not that way. How was faith then transmitted when there was only one Bible in the entire town or province? It was passed down by word of mouth. They shared the old, old story around the fire and around the table. They told not only what God had done in the past, but what God had, is doing that day and what God would do in the future. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 7 says we have to go beyond telling the story. We have to impress the story. Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 through 7. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down. And when you get up, it's good to know the Lord. And the way that happens is by knowing his word. But how that's passed down from one generation to another is by reminding the next generation of what God is doing and what God has done. You are building your family legacy today, not tomorrow. So use every opportunity to plant the seed of God's word in their very fertile hearts. And thirdly, a lasting legacy requires investing the time. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said this, uh, a very often set, 
of scriptures that we ignore. We don't think it's that big of a deal. But Jesus did. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, I can tell you in my personal experience, I will spend so much of today thinking about tomorrow and the next week and the next month and the next years and the five-year goal and the ten-year goal. That's just the way I'm wired. And yet, it's what we do today that leaves the impression. I was looking through some videos on my phone and kids were playing around and they were making videos of some sort. And as they were taping what was going, whatever they were doing, they kind of caught me over at the table. And I was sitting there just looking down. I was on my phone doing something. I don't know what. The entire time my children were playing and enjoying life, I was missing the opportunity. Buried in tomorrow, today. There's an old song that goes, has a beautiful line that says, Life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. We are called to live for today. And I understand it's wise to give thought to tomorrow, but I think, unfortunately, we live there more often than we should. And how many times are we wrong? Think about what you thought a year ago or five years ago or ten years ago. Did you have any way of knowing what God had in store, what life had in store for you? I contend you didn't. All of our planning for a future that most often doesn't happen. We worry about things that don't happen and never see things coming that blindside us. So enjoy today. Invest your time today. Second, invest your time in the right people. We give so much energy, so much of our very best energy to those who matter very little. You're going to work and someone cuts you off in traffic and it just upsets your whole day. It just throws your attitude off. It just completely upends everything you were thinking about. And the person that cuts you off, are they paying any attention? Clearly not. They're just going on about their day. Oh, you, you have a bad boss. I mean, he's just a jerk. He's just a tyrant. He makes your life miserable. And you go and you carry that home and you lay all of that on your children. Don't let the jerk who ruined your yesterday steal your joy today. I want you to think for just a minute. Go ahead and close your eyes. I appreciate those of you who are already doing so. I want you to close your eyes and just for a moment imagine that you are on your deathbed. Who are those people standing around you, coming to visit you, telling you that they love you, hugging you with their arms and placing a gentle kiss on your forehead? You probably know who they are already. They are God's very best gift to you. So give them your joy. Give them your love. Give them you. My great uncle Keith used to work for the phone company. 
And uh, he was not a wealthy man by any means. But he had many opportunities to take lots and lots and lots of overtime. All the overtime he could handle. If he wanted it. You understand that he and his wife Donna had five children. In a small house. Over on South Mabel. Now he certainly could have used more money. More room, more clothing, more everything. But Uncle Keith was very wise. He realized he could always make more money. But he only had so much time with his children and his wife. Sadly, today, our children and even our grandchildren are quickly becoming the ignored generation. We spend so much time watching them through a screen... Or watching other people through a screen. It's going to have an effect. Let's change that. We can change that. If we invest the time wisely. And we invest it in the right people. But we have to do that in the right season. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 says. For everything there is a season. And a time for every matter under heaven. You probably know the words to this song. But. I want you to listen to them anyway because it illustrates exactly this point. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way. But there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking before I knew it. And as he grew, he said, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I've got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. And he walked away, but his smile never dimmed. And he said, I'm going to be like him. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be like him. Well, he came from college just the other day, so much like a man I just had to say, son, I'm proud of you. Can we sit for a while? He shook his head and he said with a smile, what I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later. Can I have them, please? I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I could find the time. He said, my new job's a hassle and the kids got the flu, but it's sure nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me. He'd grown up just like me. Your kids will only get one childhood. They only get one you. So invest the time now. Invest it wisely. As Ephesians 5 verses 15 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You see, you're building your family legacy today, not tomorrow. 
So invest your time in what lasts. This morning I want to give you two super suggestions as you build your family. Number one, set the time. Uh, It's not a matter of getting more family time. You're not going to walk out of here today and have more time with your family. What you're going to have to do is make family time. You, You have so many opportunities, you will drown in them. You have to guard your family, and you have to guard your time with them. So I'll give you three levels, and you can pick which level you want. Level one, take part of the day and make it a no-technology day. From, from 6 to 8 p.m., or, or whatever time you choose. Don't choose 1 to 3 in the morning. That's not going to... Pick a prime time of your day. And just turn off all the phones and the iPads and Netflix and shut the router down and just go totally 1980s and talk to each other. Level two, observe a Sabbath rest. Pick a day of the week and say, we're going to go the entire day without it. We're going we're gonna to delete all the apps off the phone. We're going to stay off of social media. and We're just going to enjoy this day together and being fully present today. Level three, do a little social media detox. Now, there are some of you here this morning who are thinking, finally, a challenge that Toby gave me. I can get it behind this. I don't even have social media, <laughs> so it'll be easy. But delete the apps. You say, oh, come on, now you're being a little crazy. All right, if I'm a little crazy, then take me up on it. Show me that you're not addicted to it. Try to go one whole week without it. And and the last thing you post on there can be, my preacher's being a jerk this week. I won't see you. But I think you'll enjoy it. And and I, I believe that social media has its place. I just fear that it's taken over our minds a little bit. And that if we want to have the time back, we're going to have to make the time. It's not ironic that social media makes us some of the most unsocial beings in, that we've seen in generations. You can tweet that if you want. And finally, set the table. I want to challenge you to... Have one family meal together, and certainly, as I've hopefully hinted to, with no electronic devices. Sit around the table and look at each other, and listen and learn and laugh and love, and invest the time that you need to have a legacy. Ronald Reagan once said that all great change in America begins at the dinner table, and I think that's true. But I'll extend it one farther and say all great change in eternity begins with you. I wonder what would happen if we asked the question, who's coming to dinner? If you have dinner with anyone, living or dead, who would you choose? Carly Minogue. Oh. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe. Oh, God, I wouldn't have a clue. I know, straight up. Paul Hogan. Kim Kardashian. No, no, no. I'd like to have dinner with Justin Bieber. <laughs> what? He's not coming to my house. So, um... <laughs> <laughs>
I'd have Bob Hawke. Dave Hughes. Barry Humphrey. Jimi Hendrix. People who have made a difference in the world, maybe Nelson Mandela at the dinner table. <laughs> If you could have dinner with anyone in the world, oh. who would you choose? Probably our whole family, like a whole extended family. Mum and Dad. <sighs> Mum and Dad. Does it have to be a celebrity? Could it be family? We love it. We talk about how school is. We ask Mum and Dad how their day was. Family. Yeah, Mum and Dad. Family. Who would you like to have a dinner with? They just want to be with us mm. while they're eating food, which is pretty cool. They see us above everything. I'm going to get... Yeah. Yeah. Bit, bit of a message in it for me. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make dinner time matter. You're building your family legacy today, not tomorrow. So don't put off till tomorrow what you need to do today. If you have any other need, if you don't know Christ, or if you haven't been building your family legacy as you should, and you'd like your spiritual family to help you, we want to pray with you and encourage you and love you, because that's what church is all about. If you have any need, please come as together we stand and sing.